0: welcome to st james a scottish episcopal church in leith this podcast features edited highlights from our sunday morning service held on march 12th 2023 if you'd like to subscribe using your podcast app of choice the details of the feed are on the communal worship page of our website to find out how to join us and for news and information Please visit www.saintjamesleith.org.uk.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. And a very, very warm welcome to St James this morning. Those of you who often come, maybe those of you who are visiting or here for the first time, you're all very welcome. Um, My name's Sally, I'm leading the service this morning and we'll have a reflection from our rector, Ian, who is going to be looking at mission question mark. So we'll be thinking about what (coughs) mission might involve or how we might think of that word. I'm gonna invite Carol up now, who's going to say something about our prayers today
2: say good morning um, a couple of things just um, before the prayers idea um just thinking about the well hopefully you've noticed that our space is gradually transforming because people have taken on board um, the sewing so there's some lovely pieces um, happening and just to encourage you uh, I'm sure you won't mind or I'm going to say anyway Um Alastair Emsby Smith who comes down sometimes from Dundee with his wife sent me this um WhatsApp during the week with a picture of this half done saying, I haven't done this for 50 years, Carol, um, but it's addictive and um, I got it yesterday. um, So that was lovely. So just to encourage anyone who hasn't done any sewing for 50 years or more, (laughs) um, or would like to have a go for the first time. Um, And the other thing is, um, Powell's going to be leading our prayers, um, but just the last couple of weeks we have um, used a stick and wrapped um, a piece of rag around it. Binding it, bandaging it, um, wrapping our prayers um, around as an action, of symbolic action. If you would find that helpful to do it again, they're, they're at the beginning of the prayers to um, pick up, if, if that's a helpful thing to you. And we'll add it to our wonderful um, sculpture of prayers. <coughs> um, they're a little bit tangled and messy, perhaps, like our prayers are anyway. Um, so thank you. And I should have said also
1: a welcome to those of you joining us from home on Zoom. And we hope that all of you are either at home or here, well, at home that you have your candle ready to light. And we will light our candle now as we usually do to prepare for prayer and we will listen to our singing bowl. We come this morning from scattered lives to meet with God. Let us recognize God's presence with us. Let us
0: worship God together.
1: Gather us, O God, and we will know the life that makes us one. Gather us, O God, and we will celebrate our difference, variety and peace. Gather us, O God, and we will give you the pain of our
3: brokenness.
1: Gather us, O God, and we will share the gifts of your spirit. Trinity of love, bind us as one, that our brokenness be healed by you,
3: that our fears be held by you,
1: that our gifts be used by you that our Our lives lives be offered to to you. So may May the world world believe. believe. Amen. Amen. And please stand for our opening song. purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the faults of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through
3: Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: We now pause for a moment for our time of confession and absolution. Daring to open to God, each other and ourselves, we offer in silence the gift of our imperfection. And we acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourself and to each other. May all that is unfree in you and between any of us be released. And may you and we blossom into a future graced with love.
3: Amen.
4: Exodus to 7 From the wilderness of Sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarrelled with Moses and said, "Give us water to drink." Moses said to them, "Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord?" But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarrelled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Find speed to God.
5: From John chapter 4 verses 5 to 42. Glory Glory to Christ Christ our our Saviour. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ.
6: Let us pray. Loving God, whatever situation we've entered this building or are in at home, whether up or down, We ask that your living water would flow upon us, within us, so that springs of life may come forth. Amen. Last week, Sally unpacked the words born again, uh, words that I think are so loaded that they've created division between Christians. And they've stopped exploring the depth of what that phrase, uh, born again, might mean. And I I think the same is true for the word mission. That it actually means very different things to different people. And I want to tell a story uh, um, to illustrate this. Um, And it's a story not to denigrate any version of um, mission, but to show how mission can be sort of uh, perceived in different ways. And it was one where I kind of completely unwittingly subverted a whole clergy conference. Um, (laughs) uh, It's quite funny now, but at the time I I thought my priestly days were numbered actually. (laughs) Um, And it was this guy uh, who came from Holy Trinity Brompton, a hugely successful church. They do the Alpha course, uh, massively successful and they, they um, often go into other churches and kind of show them how to do it, as it were. Um, anyway, he put up on screen two images uh, of mission. One was a train, uh, which had direction, it had purpose, it was going places, and the other one was the magic roundabout. <clears throat> and he asked, uh, which ones do you think are a good image of church? And of course, before... <laughs> put my hand up and my wife always says please think before you say anything when you go on these when you go on these uh, conferences anyway I went of course I went the magic roundabout and I saw the Bishop Pete was there and you know the sort of cartoon the ice coming out of his head giving me the evil eye and I realized I'd said the wrong thing anyway the guy said why why do you think what you know he's a baffled why do you think the magic roundabout and I said well the train, you know, it's only got one driver. And what if I don't like the destination and they're all in lines and, and the magic roundabout? Does anyone remember the magic roundabout? Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got Dougal and, and Zebedee, and they you know, they might be going around in a circle, but it seems pretty inclusive and they're getting on really well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway um, as you can see where this is going, his whole conference was based on the train yeah. analogy, and um, so, uh, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it actually opened up quite a lot of discussion because other members of the clergy started agreeing, or you know, and a whole conversation, and we looked at another model, which you know, maybe a labyrinth might be a better model where we're journeying along and, and we're with people. But you see how. And I genuinely, I I mean, I wasn't deliberately, honestly, uh, trying to subvert the conference. But you can see how a different idea of something can um, completely uh, be so, so different. And I think because that idea of mission was sort of put on me, I avoided it. I thought thought, that mission must be a bad thing. And actually, I'd like to say from the outset, I I believe in mission, maybe the word needs to be changed, a deep purpose, Mm -hmm. that if our faith has something unique and life-giving, which obviously I believe it has, um, otherwise I wouldn't have gone into ministry, that we should actually share it. And so I want to look at maybe uh, look at the story of the Good Samaritan uh, woman and start with... The idea of mission or deep purpose uh, with Jesus. And his own mission uh, statement uh, you, you may well know very well. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, um, to, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of God's good favor. So his understanding of mission or deep purpose is one of liberation. It's one of setting people free from whatever prevents them from living fully, whether it's poverty, captivity, oppression, blindness, and to link with our Lent course to enable people to flourish in this life. It seems to have very little to do with an insurance policy for the next life i.e. about saving people from damnation and ensuring eternal life in heaven. It's about living water for now, here, and today. And I think Jesus demonstrates this giving of living water in this beautiful, beautiful story of, of the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's a deeply personal and relational encounter. And it's one that's full of surprises when you frame it in the cultural context of first century Palestine. And I want to just do a little bit of that uh, to show you quite how radical uh, Jesus is being. So it it starts with a surprising journey as pious Jews would always take the long way around Samaria to avoid defilement. To go through Samaria would have been for them to be defiled. But Jesus, as usual, um, steps over any boundary, and he goes straight into Samaria. And in this surprising place, we have a surprising encounter. And I think, in many ways, engineered by Jesus, who sits alone at the well after the disciples have gone to buy food. So for Middle Eastern women, um, they will avoid the heat of the day and only carry water at sunrise and sunset only a bad immoral woman would come out to the well at noonday knowing that she would meet travelers so jesus also has no bucket of water and therefore he puts himself in a position where he needs help so mission if you like not from a position of strength but mutuality And then on seeing the woman, Jesus should culturally withdraw to a distance of 20 feet, indicating that it was safe for her to come to the well. But he stays put, breaking social taboos by actually talking to the woman. And Kenneth Bailey, a biblical scholar, says that in the 40 years of life in the Middle East, he's never ever seen this boundary crossed. In village society... Uh, a strange man does not even make eye contact with a woman in a public place. And on top of this, Jesus ignores 500 years of hostility between Jew and Samaritan. And in conversation with the woman, he asserts; uh, she asserts um, her tribalism when she says to Jesus, "Are you greater than Jacob, who gave us this well?" In other words, she, she's saying, "It's ours; it's not yours." But Jesus again ignores the political argument and arrows in deep by suggesting that he can offer water that will tend her needs. And he says the wonderful, wonderful lines. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And again, living water is an audacious metaphor to use because it again defiles purity laws as it would be unthinkable for Jews and Samaritans to share the same vessels to, uh, in which to eat or drink. And this breaking of barriers continues as Jesus de his tra- tradition. He says, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Uh, it's ra- radical stuff. He's basically saying salvation is for everybody. It's for true worshippers in spirit and truth. And it's almost like me saying, well, you, you, you won't find salvation in the church. It's out there. It's out there. It's within you. Uh, incredible, incredible things that he's saying. So I now want to look at how does Jesus provide Living water. And I believe he does it by holding up a mirror. I almost brought a mirror in church and I was going to, communion, I was going to hold it up and people could say, he does it by holding up a mirror to the woman, revealing two things. One, how broken she is, and two, how magnificent she is. And the two go together. You can't, how broken she is and also how magnificent she is. So Jesus starts by helping her, own, uh, her to actually own and take responsibility for her brokenness, her weakness, what the Bible often refers to as sin, but without judging, without inducing shame, and always upholding her dignity. So throughout Jesus' The conversation Jesus treats a woman as an intelligent person, engaging in what is actually quite a profound theological debate. He even goes so far as saying, Go call your husband and come here. She is to go and call and bring a man to him. Again, unheard of in first century Palestine. So you see, Jesus, how subtly he is empowering her inviting her to break patriarchal boundaries that confine her, offering her a glimpse of her full potential. So it is a mirror that is both truthful and honoring. God will always ask us to face the truth about ourselves because this is the first stage of our liberation, of our healing. And anyone uh, who's been on the journey of recovery will know this. Robert? after church last week, gave the, uh, uh, a lovely talk about his personal journey. And whenever I hear people talk about their recovery, it seems to me that what it does is it sets up a deep, profound sense of responsibility about what they've done or not done. I don't know if this is this is true, Robert, but it, it, it really... Gives at the deep, deepest part of their being, it has that and it, a determination really of missed opportunities and that they a determination to try and do better. And it's usually to do with the opportun- missed opportunities to love another. And the determination is actually to try and do better and love people better. And this is the story of Peter. Jesus gently holds up a mirror to Peter, revealing his brokenness and his we- weakness, his woundedness, his shame, but without judgment or blame when Peter dem- denies him three times. What does Jesus do? He uh, gives him the opportunity to say that he loves him three times by asking him the question, do you love me? So again, rele- uh, revealing Jesus' brokenness. But Jesus, too, invites the Samaritan woman to face the truth about herself by gently reminding her, without accusation, that she has five husbands. Again, showing her that in the divine economy of mercy and grace, God can hold and contain all her shame, and that she is still God's beloved daughter. And as a result of this, living water begins to flow over her and within her, reaching her depth, exposing, cleansing, healing, and awakening her to her potential, her beauty, her magnificence. And the key line is, if you but knew the gift of God, Jesus is giving the Samaritan woman a new understanding of herself and her relationship with God that she has living water inside of her. She is truly a daughter and child of God. The woman, Samaritan woman is being liberated, empowered, given significance and dignity. A spring is indeed welling up inside of her. It's not coming from a bearded man in the sky, it's coming from within. So much so that she starts to have the capacity to go and create a spring in others, starting with her family, then she extends her remit to the whole village. One cannot understand, the t- underestimate rather, the change and metanoia. We've talked about metanoia in previous uh, reflections in this Samaritan woman. Who effectively becomes the first evangelist carrying witness to the water that quenches the thirst of the spirit and lasts forever so in my experience it's hard to own our brokenness and weakness but it's actually even harder to own our magnificence if we but knew the gift of God that lies within I think it takes a conscious decision to believe and trust uh, this that God has given us a gift within Uh, to begin to live out this this reality, that we are both broken and glorious. It took Thomas Merton, the Cistercian uh, monk, all his life to fully appreciate that this beauty, he called it the diamond within, is planted within us all, not just in the monastery or in the church, but in us all, everybody. And our part is to believe it. Allow this truth, this potential, to be awakened in us. And the mystics say, God only sees Christ in you. That is all God sees. So I wonder if our mission as a community is to accept both our brokenness and our magnificence, and then to accept and love others in their brokenness, thereby awakening their potential, their magnificence. And this is what the the visual images of fragments, uh, the sculpture of the bandage sticks, we're partly trying to communicate. That our brokenness and our fragments can be made, by the grace of God, into a a mosaic of color. That's hopefully why we're changing. We're changing uh, over Lent. It's becoming increasingly colorful. That we can practice the Japanese art of kinshugi, as it's called, where broken uh, cracks in pottery, those cracks, those wounds, those imperfections are made golden and beautiful. So I want to just end with a very, very famous uh, quote that you I'm sure you, uh, many of you will know that's um, often attributed to Nelson Mandela because uh, he did it at his uh, speech um, Uh, but it it was actually written by um, a woman and writer called Marianne Williamson. It says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel uh, insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So Jesus invites this Samaritan woman to live big, bold, big and bold, and sets a fire within her that alights her to her own potential. And I believe passionately that we are called both as individuals and as a community to live big and bold, Alight with the fire of our own possibilities. Big and bold doesn't mean extrovert, because we're all different personalities. But actually, to alight with the fire of our own possibilities. If we but knew the gift of God, if we but knew the living water that lies within. Amen.
0: This Christ, this Yesu, this Isa, this Satguruji who walked on this earth 2,000 years ago who sat there on that well in the heat who spoke to that woman of Samaria that same Yesu, that same Isa, same Christ is here today. And by his Spirit, he is with us in the mandar, in the temple of our hearts. It is by his Spirit that we draw close to him. This is the Christ who invites each and every one of us to come and to stand under the fountain of his amazing grace, peace and love. That fountain still flows from him. In your brokenness, in your shame, in your tears, In your lostness, in your uniqueness and weirdness, He loves you just as you are. And this living water comes to renew us, to refresh us, to cleanse us and to heal us. This is the God, who at that well reached out His hand to this woman, who reaches out His hand to each and every one of you, not to punish you, not to harm you, but to bless you. Be still and know His peace, His presence, His Shalom, His Shanti, in the mandir of your heart. He reached out to a woman, and this last week, on Wednesday, we're celebrating the gift, and on Women's Day, the gift that they bring to us in this world. Let us give thanks to God for the women here in St. James's Church, for the contribution that they make, for their presence. Not just what they do, but who they are. And how we are blessed by them. And how they are a blessing to so many. May we honor and acknowledge them. And value them and support them. And for those women here, and also here in Leith, in Edinburgh, in Scotland, and beyond. Jesus, through us, reaches out to them to share his amazing grace and love. May they know that this God comes in love to each and every one of them and takes what's in their hand, just water and the gifts and abilities and talents and each and every one has, however ordinary they may be, He takes them and uses them and enters into a conversation with each and every one. This is a God who longs to speak, longs to hear our heart, longs to hear the hearts of our community. The things that are there In a few minutes later on, once we've received some Communion, there's an opportunity for those who want to, it's optional, you don't have to, but there's a table at the back, you'll find some uh, Asian sweets there. You may want to take that after you've taken Communion, and give thanks to God. For those in your life that bring joy and happiness and sweetness and also maybe just to pray for those who are going through pain and sorrow maybe in your family and your friends or people that you work with maybe there's a breakdown in a relationship some are facing hardship during this uh, time of the with the high rise of living and everything else that's going on. Pray God's sweetness and love into their hearts. On the table, you'll also find some candles. Maybe light a candle from one of the other candles that are around the tile cross and place it on the tile cross. And as you do so, give thanks to God for all the women that you know in your life and to give thanks to God for them. Maybe you want to take a candle and light a candle and pray for those in your community that they may know God's light and peace and his presence. Also on that table you find some little wee stones, maybe take a small stone, hold it in your hand and as you do so maybe there are things in your life, the water that you have in your life that you want to hand over to God and say so use it as it is to start a conversation day by day and to release it in the bowl with the floating candles. Maybe there are things in your life at this moment, maybe burdens and difficulties and problems and worries and situations you're facing. Take as many stones as you like, just release them, let go, and let God take them into his loving mighty hands. You're welcome later on to do one of those things, all of those things, or none of those things, you may want to just go and light a candle and not have any words to say whatsoever, but just have a time to be present, to be still, and just to know God's awe and beauty and wonder in your heart that you're created in His image. Yes, you must see Isa comes to you.
6: Told me all I ever did. I took a leap of faith. I come to our time of sharing. All are welcome. We believe that St James, Jesus never turned uh, anyone away. There were no um, hoops that they had to go through. No. So please, uh, whatever your, if you have strong faith, the weak faith, no faith, please come to receive. only you need the gift of God that dwells inside you. Loving, Loving God, God, may, may we increasingly, increasingly attune ourselves to you and open ourselves up to your living water, your bread and your wine. And we thank you for feeding us this day and pray that we might be food for others when we leave this place. Amen.